Let's try this again, maybe with some sound. Um, see, the good thing about doing this the first time is when we mess up, we'll get a chance to improve the next time. So um, what I said earlier was grab your cup of coffee, fill it up, get comfortable, and shut down other things that might distract you from worship this morning as you are invited to gather together and the New Tradition Band will lead us into worship as we sing Holy, Holy, Holy. Let's join our voices together. Again, welcome to worship this morning. Um, Marcy Garner wants to welcome all of you to her worship service. Uh, Marcy has been worshiping online for 
uh, several months, and I think she has perfect attendance. I think the only Sunday that she missed was when we didn't broadcast, and she let me know that that was unacceptable. Um, so the rest of you, welcome to online worship. I just remind you that we are worshiping in this way, not out of fear, but out of love for our community. We are gathering in this way with the worship team here and you all sitting in your living rooms or wherever um, because we want to do things that show compassion for our community. We want to do things that will prevent the spread of the coronavirus. And so we'll be doing this for at least a couple of more weeks. And so I hope that you'll join us. And, and since I would like to know who's out there, some of you have already texted me to let me know there was no sound earlier. Um, I invite you all to text me, those of you who have my number. And, and let me give those who don't have my number um, a phone number so you can reach me. Uh, it is uh, 859-806-9996. And so just text us and let us know that you're out there. Or uh, we have folks monitoring Facebook. If you'd like to type in comments and just let folks know you're here, we invite you to do that. It's just a way that we might connect with one another and know that we are here together. And now I invite you to join your voices together as we sing Good, Good Father. Yeah, I like that idea. Take a selfie and send that to Dan as well. Oh, oh to me? To Dan. Okay. Send that to Dan. Okay. Definitely. Cool. Send that to Dan. Yes. Perfect and all 
amen to that. Well, we're gonna, I'm going to do something a little different for children's time. Actually, this is going to be um, family time. I want uh, parents and children to gather around. Those of you who don't have kids, if you want to go refill your coffee cup, feel free to do so. But you may want to listen to this also. Uh, kids, this is an interesting time for you. You're not in school, and yet you're being given homework. And you're also being told, even though you're out of school, this is not a vacation where you can have friends over and have sleepovers and go on vacation. It means that, for the most part, you're going to be staying in your house uh, with your family. And if you have brothers and sisters, that means with your brothers and sisters. Um, This may go on for two weeks. And so I thought there might be some wise words that we ought to think about since this is how we're going to be living for a while. And and what came to mind for me is from uh, Colossians chapter 3. Parents are probably going to stand up and clap when I read this, but don't be too quick. Um, Children, obey your parents in everything because this pleases the Lord. Parents. Don't provoke your children in a way that ends up discouraging them. Um, There's a message here for both kids and parents in these difficult times. And that is it will be important for you uh, children to be on your best behavior. Um, Don't pick on your brother and sister and be nice to your mom and dad. Likewise for parents, if you don't have patience at the end of this two weeks, Hopefully, you will have patience. And so, I just invite us in these times, um, as we uh, find ourselves uh, social distancing from other folks, uh, but together as a family, that we use this time to bond and draw closer to each other. And that means that children need to be on their best behavior, kindness, and obeying their parents. And it means, parents, you need to be patient with your children Remember when you were their age, if this had happened to you. Um, Now I invite us to um, offer a prayer. I'm going to use a prayer that we used last week um, that I think is very relevant um, to today. And um, actually, the band is going to help me with this prayer. And at the end of the prayer, you're going to be invited just to take a moment of silence and offer up your own prayers to God. And then after a moment, we will join our voices together In the Lord's Prayer. And so let us be in a prayerful uh, mind. Jesus Christ, you traveled through towns and villages, curing every disease and illness. At your command, the sick were made well. Come to our aid now in the midst of the global spread of the coronavirus, that we may experience your healing love. Heal those who are sick with the virus. May they regain their strength and health through quality medical care. Heal us from our fear, which prevents nations from working together and neighbors from helping one another. Heal us from our pride, which can make us claim invulnerability to a disease that knows no borders. Jesus Christ, healer of all, stay by our side in this time of uncertainty and sorrow. Be with those who have died from the virus. May they be at rest with you in your eternal peace. Be with the families of those who are sick or have died as they worry and grieve. Defend them from illness and despair. May they know your peace. Be with the doctors, nurses, researchers, and all medical professionals who seek to heal and help those affected and who put themselves at risk in the process. 
May they know your protection and peace. Be with the leaders of all nations. Give them the foresight and wisdom to act with compassion and true concern for the well-being of the people they are meant to serve. Give them the wisdom to invest in long-term solutions that will help prepare for our for or prevent future outbreaks. May they know your peace as they work together to achieve it on earth. Whether we are at home or abroad, surrounded by many people suffering from this illness or only a few, Jesus Christ, stay with us as we endure and mourn, as we persist and prepare. In place of our anxiety, give us your peace. Jesus Christ, come, hear our prayers, and heal us this day. Let us join our voices together as we offer up the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our, our Father, Father, who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Was grace that taught my heart. 
Heavenly Father, though we come to you from different physical places, we still gather together in spirit. We still, even though scattered this morning, we are one church by one Lord, by one spirit. Fill us with your almighty, overwhelming presence this morning. Amen. What do we do in these times that we find ourselves in? What do we do when there's this invisible virus that we can't seem to control or contain that's spreading throughout our society and even killing folks? What do we do when uh, financial markets tumble and economies crumble? What do we do when our freedoms begin to be limited and restricted because of this virus? How will the church respond and how will the church act in these times of crisis? Well, I think it would be worthwhile for us to take a look at the first century church and Jesus' early followers to see how they responded in a time of crisis. And I remind you, if you're not familiar, in Acts chapter 6, 7, and 8, we have the story of the early church, of the early followers of Jesus who found themselves in Jerusalem. They found themselves um, having difficulty meeting the needs of everyone within the community. And, and there were these Hellenistic, these Greek-speaking widows who were being underserved. And so uh, the followers of Jesus, the, the 12 disciples, decided that they needed some helpers, and so they appointed seven deacons, seven godly folks who had been with them from the beginning and knew about Jesus and Jesus' teaching. And they appointed these deacons to serve the local community. Two of these deacons were Stephen and Philip. And we all know the story of Stephen. Uh, Stephen was a godly and a caring and a compassionate uh, man, a man who had a passion and fire full of the Holy Spirit, wanted to share about God's kingdom and about the good news of Jesus Christ, and so he shared it everywhere he went. A and one day that got him into trouble. Uh, the church had had a lot of freedom in Jerusalem, speaking and teaching about uh, uh, Jesus, even though the temple leaders were not happy about what they were saying. But one day, Stephen found himself in front uh, of the temple leaders, and he was sharing, and he found himself cornered. And the more that he shared about Jesus and Jesus' ways and the fact that Jesus was the Messiah, the angrier they got. And in a flash, life for the early followers of Jesus changed. Those temple leaders became so angry that they picked up stones and they began to throw them at Stephen and they stoned him to death. We are told that seemingly this unleashed uh, other folks within the community to begin uh, to seek followers of Jesus. We're told that Saul, who would later become Paul, the great apostle, was one of those persecuting the church. And he would go into houses and he would drag uh, Christians out and he would throw them into prison. The early church wasn't sure what to do. And, and many of the Greek-speaking uh, followers of Jesus began to flee from Jerusalem. They began to scatter throughout Judea and through Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, and in Acts chapter 8, we read this story of after, St after Stephen's stoning. 
And, and we hear these words as Luke records what happened to the early church. At that time, the church in Jerusalem began to be subjected to vicious harassment. Everyone except the apostles were scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria. Some pious men buried Stephen and deeply grieved over him. Saul began to wreak, wreak havoc against the church. Entering one house after another, he would drag off both men and women and throw them into prison. Can you imagine um, the fear that was going through the early church at this point in time? Understandably, they weren't sure what had happened overnight. This, this violence against Stephen had been unleashed onto the rest of Jesus' followers. And so, as I said, many began to scatter and run. I'm sure, in part, their first reaction was, was out of fear. And yet, it did not lead to a fearfulness of living. As we continue this story, we find that one of those who was scattered was Philip, a deacon who was a friend of Stephen's. And here's what we hear in the next four verses of chapter 8. Those who had been scattered they moved on, preaching the good news along the way. Philip went down to a city in Samaria, and he began to preach about God's kingdom and to preach about Jesus. And the crowds were united by what they heard Philip say and the signs they saw him perform, and they gave him their undivided attention. With loud shrieks, unclean spirits came out. Many people of many people, and many people who were paralyzed or crippled, they were healed. There was great rejoicing in that city. As we hear these words this morning from the early followers of Jesus, and we see how they responded to this drastic shift in what was going on in their society, and how they were finding that they needed to interact with each other, hopefully there are some words for us to hear in these moments i find it interesting that even though these early disciples found themselves uh, leaving jerusalem and going to judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth they were doing exactly what jesus had said that they would do they were going into places they hadn't been before doing things in different ways that they had not done before you see, these followers, even though they had fear about what might happen to them, they still continued to share the good news about Jesus and about God's kingdom that had come near to them. They continued to offer healing and wholeness and peace and love to a society that was broken, a society that was fearful and fragmented and divided by all kinds of things. And so the question comes to us today in the midst of this new way of doing church and this new way of interacting in these days in which we might seem to think that our world has been turned upside down and not knowing when it may get back to normal, whatever that might look like. We might begin to ask ourselves, what are followers of Jesus to do in such chaotic and uncertain and fearful times? Will we, when we, uh, in the midst of this crisis, in the midst of this uncertainty, 
Will we allow our faith to be overcome? Will we allow our connectedness to be broken? Or will it lead to deeper sense of faith? Will it lead to a deeper sense of connectedness with the body of Christ? Will we still be able in new and different ways to offer healing and wholeness and peace and love to a community and a world that needs it now more than ever? How might we decide to respond Let me just suggest a few things as we uh, find ourselves in these new times. Maybe one thing we can begin to do is simply enjoy slowing down. Our lives are so hectic anyway. Maybe this is an opportunity for us to slow down, to reconsider what our priorities are, And to take this opportunity to connect with God and to connect with our families. Instead of seeing this as a time when as families we just have to figure out how to survive each other being in such close proximity. Maybe we should see this as a time to thrive, as a time to grow as a family and to bond together and discover new ways of being with each other. Maybe we should take this opportunity to pick up the phone and call friends and just check in on them. Maybe we should use this time to pick up the phone and call someone whom it's been way too long since we had a conversation with. Maybe in this time we can share about Jesus and about the kingdom of God by uh, simply passing on through Facebook or through emails linked to church services so that other folks might be invited to gather in. You might be surprised at how many of your friends appreciate an invitation to worship from the comfort of their home in these trying and difficult times. As a church, let us find new ways to offer hope and healing and wholeness in the midst of a world that suffers from brokenness and fragmentation and chaos and fear. May we go forth from here um, embracing this as an opportunity rather than a threat or a danger. Let us embrace um, what we are experiencing as an opportunity to find new and different ways to connect with God, to connect with each other, and to reach out to our community to share God's love and grace. What will we do as followers of Christ today? Will we allow this crisis to turn us into complainers, to turn us into people who are more fragmented, people who lose their faith? Or will it drive us to a deeper faith and trust in God? Will it drive us to rely on each other and our community more than we have ever leaned into that? Will it allow us to really understand what is important in our lives this day? May we hear the words and hear the example of the early church 
And may we respond in ways that continue to share the kingdom of God and the news of Jesus Christ this day and every day. Let us pray. Gracious God, in this time, may you indeed speak to us and lead us. Open up our hearts and minds that we may find new and creative ways to be with you and to be with one another and to share your love with others. In Christ's name, amen. And now while you're sitting there, this would normally be when we have a time of offering. And if you pay attention, usually during the offering, I invite you to give of your tithes and your gifts and yourselves. Now, we still hope that you'll give of your tithes and your gifts, and you can write a check and send it in, or you can give online. But, but today, more than anything, I want you to focus on what it means in this time to offer ourselves to God. In the midst of these times, how will you choose to offer yourself in new and different ways to God? I invite you to um, contemplate that, and if you're with a group of people, just begin to share with each other how you plan to offer yourselves to God this week. And I think the band's going to play a little bit of music before we go into the final song, right?
to send you forth I know you're already sitting at home and yet ascending forth is not just about going outside the doors of this church it is about responding to the word of God that we have heard today and so I invite you to go forth from wherever you are to continue to offer healing and wholeness determine how you will respond to God and to your neighbor in these times and I invite you to either share through text or through Facebook, or you can email me at dbrown at cameronumc.org and let me know what your family will be doing in the coming days to ensure that we act in faithfulness and compassion rather than fear. And know that wherever you go and wherever you are and whomever you come into contact with, whether it be by phone or in person, that God's love is there surrounding you and embracing you, and that God's love will enable us as a church to continue to share about the kingdom of God and about the love of Jesus Christ. And so I invite you to go in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit to be the people of God, a people who offer healing, and hope and wholeness and peace and love to a hurting and broken and fragmented and fearful community. Go in the name of Christ. Amen.